ever feel like the government continues to usurp more and more control over your daily life? What's the solution? Well, it probably isn't to create even more government. Better Dead Than Red begins now. Welcome back to Better Dead Than Red. And today I got a guest on with me, Delta Lima, who has done her homework on a certain individual that for some reason seems to keep it escaping justice up to the point where they actually were should have been in jail and were out and killed somebody over in Huntington County. So I'll uh, I'll let you take it from here because you uh, you got quite a bit of information. I think you want to go over. Uh, yes, absolutely. Thank you. So this topic uh, today is about a Tyrone man um, by the name of Richard Ewing. And before I get into this whole thing, I want to say that this is not a dig towards his family or any other victims that have been um, involved in this. So this is just basically a smoking gun as to what issues have occurred through Blair County um, as far as the uh, drug situation, uh, confidential informants, and that sort of thing. So any of Mr. Ewing's family members, we, you know, I want to offer my condolences because this can't be easy for you as well. So this is not an attack to him personally or his family. This is just um, trying to get a public service announcement out there about something that's gone on for several years now with Mr. Ewing. And as far as I'm concerned, the uh, system failed him as well. Right. So yeah. We're, well, we, we always try to look at both sides of the coin. So that's important because I don't think uh, too many other places try and do that. So, Absolutely. So with that being said, I'm going to get started and dig right into this. So um, I'm going to start out with um, in October of 2020. So on October 21st, 2020, uh, Richard Ewing was charged for numerous offenses by the Altoona Police Department, which that's in the city of Altoona, Pennsylvania. And the arresting officer in that incident is listed as Dennis Temensky. And if I'm not mistaken, he's part of the drug task force. I, yeah, he I, he probably is now. I know I've he he's kind of had his hands in a couple of uh, questionable things, I guess you would say. Not that not saying that he's corrupt himself, but I think he's just kind of a moron. That's <laughs> the yeah. way I would put it. So yeah. Um, there's another case that I've noticed his name was involved and I kind of questioned him before. So, and this is from, Oh, maybe about three, four years ago now. So he's been an officer for quite some time now. So yeah, well he, he originally he was involved. He was one of the ones involved with the, the Justin Jones thing. If you remember that, I think that was uh, the first time I became aware of him. So, right. Right. So yeah, I, I've never met this officer personally, and um, I don't have any desire to as well. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, the charges were for this incident, like I said, October of 2020, possession of a firearm, firearm with the number altered, manufacture and delivery of drugs, furnishing alcohol to minors, trespassing, uh, 
small amount of marijuana, which I don't really care about that. But yeah, that's but they hit everybody with that one too. So <laughs> yeah, so throw one more in there. So mm-hmm. and possession of controlled substance and use and possession of a controlled substance. So it states that all these charges were waived for court, which is pretty much the way it works. A preliminary hearing, they usually waive it to the court of common pleas, which would be Blair County. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, this this one here happened in Blair County, like I said, in Altoona, but he does have charges from three counties all total, Blair, Center, and Huntington County. So he had he went through a bail bondsman, posted bail on the very same day that he was charged. His bail was set at 40000 so now he's out of jail. He was actually represented by Ted Kroll, as it states in the UJS system. Mm-hmm. And so this case in particular was never settled until this past November of 2021. So that's how long these charges were pending. And it also states that the commitment to Blair County Prison, that document was printed says he wasn't able to post bail and then the commitments canceled and also the criminal complaint was all filed on October 21st, 2020. So that means that he posted bail pretty directly through this bail bondsman and whether he actually stepped foot in a Blair County prison at this time uh, remains to be seen. He may have not even made it out of the booking center. Or do, out of the do you know how much the bail was? Because given the charges, I mean, it should have been something somewhat. Didn't didn't it change from at first it was monetary and then it changed to non-monetary? Well, that's for a later incident. Okay. So this particular one, it was only set at forty thousand, and and that's a good point because possession of a firearm is a felony, altering the number is a felony, the manufacture and delivery of drugs is a felony. Now, furnishing alcohol to minors, I'm going to guess that that's a higher level misdemeanor. Trespassing, uh, possession of a controlled substance, and then the use and possession of a controlled substance, those are probably all misdemeanors. But there are at least three felonies involved in these charges, and his bail was only set at 40000 Right. So that's kind of unheard of, if you ask me, or it's not not correct correctly set. For, for one. Well, yeah, it's just like how they had when they arrested Matt Starr. I think he had like $200,000 straight bail for, it was like basically six felonies for theft, you know. And here's a guy with weapons charges and he has not even, you know, a quarter of that. <laughs> that's pretty wild. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's just unusual to say the least. So I'm going to move on to December 31st, 2020. So this is only two months later. He was arrested by the Logan Township Police, and if anyone listening who's not from Blair County, Logan Township is within the Altoona School District, let's say, so this is basically a part of Altoona. It's just broken up into the city and townships. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap between Logan and APD, basically, throughout the city, so. Absolutely. So, um, so this is only two months later after the charges in October 2020, so he's out on bail from the October 2020 charges. And he's arrested again, December of 2020. So he's arrested for the same things, possession of a firearm, 
firearms not to be carried without a license, manufacture and delivery or possession with intent to deliver, distribution of designer drugs. So that's that's an extra one added. Mm-hmm. Marijuana and use and possession of drug paraphernalia. And let me turn the page here. And uh, so these old charges, these charges, like I said, happened while he was still out on bail for the October 2020 charges. So this is the question. Why wasn't his bail from October 2020 not revoked at this point? Because that's usually the stipulation, especially with weapons and drug charges. You can't have run-ins with the police, especially similar or the same type of charges. Yeah, pretty so, much if you're out on bail and you have a <clears throat> usually bail conditions are you don't break the law. So if you get <laughs> if you have a run in with the police, it's a pretty good chance you'll get your bail revoked, but for especially for those kind of charges like you said, two in a row. But for right. some reason he was still out, so Exactly. So it it states that he once again posted bail through a bail bondsman, and this time the bail was set at a whole fifty thousand. So ten thousand more, you know, because oh well, he's done this before, so we'll just up it to fifty thousand now. <laughs> right. So the bail was set on December thirty first, twenty twenty, and then the bail was actually posted on January fourth of twenty twenty one. So. It took him a few days to come up with that. So it was took a little longer. And it's probably because the 31st would have been a holiday. And uh, so now, now we're rolling into 2021, finally. So this is my suspicion that this is where my suspicion comes in as far as was he a confidential informant or in some way working for police in some kind of capacity? So now his family and people have chimed in when there's been different posts made on Facebook that, no, no, he's not a CI. He posted bail. He posted bail. Well, okay, that doesn't say whether he was a CI or not. So I'm I'm wondering, you know, or I'm thinking out loud here, prove it to me. Right. You can prove it to me that he's not just the same as I can only speculate that he was a CI. So if they could come out and say, no, he was not a CI, then prove that to me. And don't show me the bail that he posted, because that's not an indication as to whether he was working pol- for police or not. Right. Yeah, because so, the, the police might help them make bail. <laughs> that's, you know, you, right. that's the old so, the old method of just call Chris Moser. Hey, I'll rat some people out if you let me out of jail. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's all it takes. So, you know, the fact that it's printed here that he posted a bail and whatnot, the key thing here is what's important is that his bail was never revoked from the October 2020 charges, you know, because the December charges in 2020, two months later, his bail was never revoked. He violated his bail stipulation. That mm-hmm. That's that's fact. So why wouldn't people wonder about that or question yeah, it's it doesn't make sense, and it, it that's the thing that bothers me. The way things are done around here is it's just it's always who you know, and that that's the other thing too. Is even if he isn't a CI, it's almost like he has to know somebody, you know, because there's there's no way that the average person is just going to get a free ride and low bail for the kind of stuff he's getting charged with over and over and over again. Right. Exactly. 
So um, continuing on here. So both of these cases were actually still active until this past November of 2021. So, and like I said, the, the uh, bail stipulation, and this is what's strange and bothersome is that this, in, this uh, included possession of a firearm. So this is a problem that any law-abiding citizen who legally carries a weapon, who's not a previous felon, you legally can carry a weapon and everything, and you're following all the rules and laws and everything, and somebody like this comes along and has numerous charges and shouldn't have had a firearm, this is why they go after us for gun control because of this example right here. So that's... You can, you know, uh, go down different roads with this whole topic, and this is a road you could go down, and this could be a what-if thing where, um, you know, weapons come, you know, are are important. Well, and it's just so, like how they, they made a big stink about when they were trying to put the constitutional carry through, and I really didn't understand the people that were like, oh, my God, if you let people carry a firearm without having a license for it, you know, it's going to be blood in the streets and everything else. What they don't seem to realize is in the state of Pennsylvania, the only thing, literally the only thing you have to do is pass a background check and pay $20 for your license. That's it. So essentially it's waiving the $20 fee that you have to pay to exercise your right. So that's for, for, for anybody that's unfamiliar with that and thinks that, you know, constitutional carry is going to be the end of the world and whatever, you know, it, it's the people that think that are pretty uneducated and don't understand how it works. Because here's the thing, and they talk about, oh, well, the background check, this and that. Well, guess what? If you buy your gun legally, you have to get a background check anyway. So, you know, exactly. it's, it's already in the system. So, Right, exactly. So he obviously had gotten con- possession of these weapons without any kind of background check, because that's why these charges are here to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so what happened to the weapons from the first charge in October of 2020, and then the second charges in uh, December of 2020, um, where where are those weapons? Did it, The first one in October, he's charged for these weapons and illegally having firearms, okay, Um what happened to those weapons? Did they get confiscated or did they just let them keep them? Or, or I'd, a, I'd imagine since he was charged, <laughs> they would have confiscated them. But then that kind of, you know, leads to, well, obviously he had access to plenty of them if he got more. So <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, there's a, uh, a couple of what ifs on that just based on that alone. So, um, So I'm going to refer back to um, some previous charges, and these are from Center County. So in 97, he was charged with aggravated assault, which he pled guilty to in 1998. So that makes him a convicted felon. That's where the felony comes into play. So he's been a felon since he pled guilty to these charges in 1998. So that says right there, he cannot possess a firearm. So it says also in 2008 that he was charged with a DUI. 
So I know it's been a number of years, over 10 years, but it's still showing up in the unified justice system. So I'm not sure why. I know that these things can drop off your record after maybe 10 years or something like that. But this is not dropped off as record. It is still accessible. So it's still there. Well, I think the only way it would have went away is if they would have, if he would have gotten it expunged. But he obviously didn't do that. And he might not have even been eligible if he had other charges before that. So that's probably why. Right. But the other interesting thing about him is so he has, it's not just Blair County. Because if it was just Blair County, you can say, you know, oh, he knows somebody here or whatever. And that's kind of what piqued my interest is it seems like he kind of gets more or less more consideration than the average person, but it's in multiple counties. So it's like, who does he know or what has he been up to that that's the case, you know? Exactly. So now let's move on to May 6, 2021. So just this past year, May 6, 2021, he's arrested by a Tyrone police officer. And the officer is Otto Barton III, and he is part of the drug task force. And let me just say, he is not my favorite police officer. <laughs> yeah, that, well, just get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I said I liked him, I'm being serious, seriously sarcastic. So, and I, I, from what I've heard, and this is just, you know, secondhand information, he's not well-liked by the borough. So, anyway. So, he's arrested for the following it's listed three times, manufacture, delivery, or possession with intent to manufacture and deliver. Possession of a firearm, once again. Firearms not to be carried without a license. It's also listed three times, possession of a controlled substance. So bail is set this time on May 6th of 2021 for $80,000. May 11th, it's changed to non-monetary conditions, $80,000. And then he walks free. And I actually picture captured this stuff. So, um, I mean, you can look it up yourself and research this guy yourself and see these things are right there. This is all public knowledge. So it was changed to a non-monetary amount. And then it says also that he, paid the bail through a bondsman again. So it the way it's worded, it looks like they modified it to non-monetary. So it looks like he had to post zero dollars to a bondsman. So I don't know if that's just a typo or what the deal is with that. Well, so that, that's the other problem you run into. And by the way, if anybody's wondering if how you look all this stuff up, you can either go to what's it's called UJS Portal. If you just type it into a search engine, it'll come up. Or there's also an app called eDocket you can download on your phone. I think it's on Android and Apple. So if anybody's wondering. But you have to be careful, too, because sometimes they do just completely, the the records are wrong. And, like, you can just tell by looking at them, something's screwed up. So, because I think on mine, mine, um, they had, it was, like, the year before. Because it was on New Year's Eve, and they had... uh, or it was actually the first of 2017, but they had the charges marked as 2016. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and the other thing is, is they recently updated the UJS system. So, I don't know if they purposely left things off of people's records 
or change them or told to change them or told to, yeah, let's not put that in there again. <laughs> let's just let that disappear. Well, and that's and, the other thing too, is that now I think it is good that they did pass that law, that it basically anything that you're found not guilty of or that gets dropped, they do take off of the record. So when you get on UJS, you won't see things if somebody was found um, not guilty. It's just whatever they, if you pled guilty to something or you're convicted of something, it shows that. But any of the charges that were dropped or weren't, you were found not guilty, it won't show them after a certain period of time. And I think mm-hmm. for like summaries and stuff, it's like five after five years they drop off now. So that's the thing is when you get on UJS, it's not a 100% database for you know for the complete history you have to kind of take what you see with a grain of salt because there could be more so that's just one thing to keep in mind absolutely so now he has so now he has charges for may of 2021 the other two charges from october 2020 and december of 2020 are are still pending he's Mm -hmm. still out Bail for these two offenses, and once again violates bail for two previous charges because they're not settled yet, and he walks free again. So this is why there. Why would no? Why wouldn't somebody question this? Because he's either a CI or working for police in somehow some way, some capacity. I, I just. This three times now. And and by the way, these are all articles in the Altoona Mirror and on the uh, local news station. So you can search his name and read through these articles yourself. You know, anyone can look this up. I have the articles printed out and stuff. And there there are some discrepancies in there because for whatever reason, the Altoona Mirror just can't get it right. I don't understand it. But anyway. Well, it was, uh, it was just like the other day. And uh <clears throat> It wasn't the Altoona Mirror. I think it was WJAC, but when uh, Jade had her accident up in Clearfield and they, she pled to like vehicular homicide, I think it was. It was the whole thing's ridiculous. I'm probably going to do a separate episode on that whole case. But uh, yeah, yet on, on WJAC, they had it that she basically was driving her car too fast and killed a child. Well, it was her kid that was in the car. And they, they made it sound like, you know, she was driving down the road and like clipped some kid, you know? Right. Yeah. But that's what they do. So you have to, you just really have to be careful because even if you just look at the, you know, the trial coverage and everything that gets left out, mm-hmm. you know, those, those articles about the trials are really light on facts, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and that, and like I just mentioned it, the bail was changed non-monetary and Barton, the arresting officer in this case, in May of 2021, um, he's also on the drug task force. So I'm kind of putting the pieces of puzzle together, but I I don't have a way of completely confirming that he worked for police. So there's no way for me to find that out. And and there's no way for anyone to find proof that he wasn't. So, right. Well, there's just an awful lot of circumstantial evidence that something's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> That's basically what it comes down to. So, now we're going to move on to uh, June 14th, 2021. 
He was operating a vehicle under the influence of drugs and hit an oncoming vehicle and hit the person head on. And unfortunately, the victim was pronounced dead at the scene. So the victim's name was Wendy Ritz. And I, I didn't know her personally, but I have a lot of mutual friends with her. And they thought very highly of her. And I want to offer my condolences to her family and friends because this should have never happened. She, she should still be walking amongst us because this is so unfair. Right. And, if, if there was ever one person that should have been in jail and not on the street able to have this accident, it would have been when this guy. So, Right. Absolutely. So it, it kind of makes me think that does nobody take notice to the this person walking around a criminal that's obviously has a drug issue selling drugs committing terrible awful crimes and a slew of charges a felon and he's driving a vehicle under the influence of these drugs and an innocent bystander ends up dead Mm-hmm. So do we do, this is what I want to, this is just thinking out loud, but this is what I want to ask any of uh, law enforcement judges, anyone out there that's been involved with Mr. Ewing in some kind of legal capacity is that, do you under, do they understand that when somebody dies, they don't ever come back? Like they're gone forever. Their family will never see them again until they eventually cross over the yellow line. Yep. Are they that desensitized to human beings, innocent human beings out there that they don't think about that? Well, I think the problem, the biggest problem with the criminal justice system and especially around here is it's, it's run more like a business, you know, it's. Right. They they treat people like corporations do, where you're just a number, and that's how they look. Whether you're the victim or the perpetrator or whatever, and of course, when you know they put certain people in jail, they parade that around and look how much good we're doing. But then there's other people that probably should have been in jail, and they're running right. free, and and somebody ends up dead over it. No, you know it's not our fault, but that just seems to be the the way things go, which is unfortunate. Exactly. So um, this investigation for this particular um, homicide by vehicle um, was it, it was uh, Huntington State Police. So because this is actually technically Huntington County where this incident or this accident happened, mm-hmm. which accident I, I you know, for lack of a better word, I don't consider that an accident. I feel it's murder. So homicide by vehicle is a nice way of saying you murdered somebody. Right. So the bail mount finally was set. So for half a million dollars, and that was set by the magistrate in Huntington. So finally, somebody from a different county says, oh, hell no, he's not going anywhere. So they also eventually revoked his bail from October 2020, December 2020, and also May of 2021. So there had there was a series of uh, bail modification or revoke bail that was in the you know US UJS system several times because 
they had to go in one by one and revoke all the these bail, uh, all these bails that were set for him. Mm-hmm. So they should have done that back in October 2020. And this is where the accountability lies is who allowed him to get out of jail? Who was all involved in that? What what judge allowed that? What magistrate allowed that? And what police officers or law enforcement involved with this or pro- the prosecution was okay with that? So that's where the accountability lies. Because, so anyway, um, here's the charges. They completed their investigation in December of 2021, which was just a month ago. And uh, so several months went by before there was any kind of announcement about the end of their investigation. So the charges are homicide by vehicle with DUI, aggravated assault by vehicle, driving while operating privilege suspended. Either he didn't update his license or it was suspended. Right. Well, it's probably given the prior DUIs, it might have been suspended. (laughs) Right, right. So ag- aggravated assault by vehicle, um, privilege suspended, I said that, and disregard for traffic lane, operating vehicle without required financial responsibility, so he didn't have insurance, manufacture delivery or possession with intent to manufacture and deliver. Here we are again. Okay, possession of a controlled substance. Well, and the you- other thing is, too, so basically, even even absent anything else, the the under the influence and the other charges, he, he still crossed the yellow line basically. So either way it was negligence from, you know, right. no, no matter what else, what other factors were involved, he was a hundred percent responsible for what happened. Absolutely. So, um, possession of a controlled su- substance use and possession of a controlled substance, marijuana, small amounts, and reckless driving, careless driving, involuntary manslaughter, fail, failure to carry registration so he doesn't have the re- registration paid on the vehicle, uh, DUI controlled substance, first offense, DUI controlled substance, schedule two or three, first offense. Now, I'm going to disagree with the first offense. This is not his first rodeo with a DUI. So... Um, right. Well, they they must rank it different if it's a controlled substance or alcohol is the only thing I could figure, which is stupid because a DUI is a DUI, right. but. Yeah. So um, accidents involving death or injury while not licensed. So and I, I have in here that I disagree because he was charged uh, previously for a DUI. And also it says he endangered another person with that. So. He's endangered somebody before and he got the chance to do it again. And he was, you know, mission accomplished now. Yeah. He, he doesn't miss too many opportunities seems like so. Yeah. So he's been charged with robbery in the past too. And some of these charges that pertain to that, and that was in 2008. Um, he, he actually, the trespass, there was trespassing robbery. Those were all dismissed and he pled to a simple assault in that one. So it's deeply disturbing that he's been let out of prison like numerous times. It makes absolutely no sense at all. Now, I know he's done prison time years ago. 
So he's been in prison for a significant amount of time for some of these things back in 98 and early 2000. So um, I know he did spend time in prison. So, um, Well, I but, mean, with, with the, the vehicular homicide case, I mean, he almost has to be going away for a while now, given everything else. Like if he, if, if he somehow finds his way out of this one, like there's definitely something shady going on without a doubt. Right. I, I, exactly. And, you know, if he was part, if he was working for police, let's say the drug task force and the judges were letting him out of jail over and over again. And like these charges, like the pet, these drug charges that I've just mentioned, they weren't like he sold to a CI that has no credibility. He was caught red handed with this stuff. So Here's someone who is absolutely guilty, but back out on the street. But you have a, a CI who has absolutely no credibility and commits crimes themselves because that's how they became a CI. They're walking free. You know, they're, you know, they're using their word to charge somebody else. Right. But here it is right in front of your face three times at least. And he's still out of jail. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, something something doesn't add up with with all this when you look at it. And it's like, even still, if if somebody is operating as a CI, when it gets to this point where they're basically there, there's no question, you know, they're a danger to the community, and those are obviously the people that should be in jail. That's the whole point of jail, in, in case anybody's wondering. But you know, exactly. so but at what point, even if you know, maybe you might lose a case or two, or I don't know, like some of these CIs, they get like 50 people. But at what point as a police officer or d district attorney, do you say, well, it's in, it's more in the community's interest to maybe lose these other cases, but maybe get this guy off the street and destroy his credibility and actually, you know, make, keep him in jail this time. Exactly. So, you know, with that being said, you know, not trying to change, change the uh, subject entirely, but we, I just heard word yesterday that there was a person in our community that passed away, he OD'd on drugs, and the person that sold him the drugs has no credibility, and also, rumor has it, this person is an active CI, so while they're working for police, they sold drugs to someone who died. So how is that fighting the war on drugs? So this CI, as far as I'm concerned, now I have to get um, confirmation on that. Mm -hmm. So, but this is just what I was told secondhand information. So I'm going to get to the bottom of that hopefully soon. And Well, I think that the question with that would be, if the person's not a CI, then why haven't they been charged? Because they were really big on that um, drug de drug delivery resulting in death or whatever that charge was. They were really pushing that for a while. So you think that would be one they'd go after? Uh, yeah. And uh, if we know about it, surely they know about it, you know, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, after the accident, and I'll... I'll just reiterate the accident was June 14th, 2021. So this past summer, uh, 
there was a hearing, several hearings to revoke his bail finally. So they motioned to revoke his bail on June 18th, which is four days after he killed an innocent person. So where was Ewing during those four days? <laughs> was he in jail? Did they, you know, was he in the hospital? So then it finally says on the 23rd of June, his bail was revoked. So now there's nine days that goes by. So where is Ewing at during those nine days? And it even says on June 15th, the day after uh, the accident or, you know, the murder, uh, there was an emergency motion to to revoke bail. So now all of a sudden it's an emergency. Yeah. After everything, all of a sudden, (laughs) oh, well, stop everything. We got to throw him in jail this time because he finally crossed the line. He finally killed somebody, you know. This is their way of thinking. You know, it it's probably that to a certain extent, but it's like, oh, crap, we're going to get sued for sure now. Let's hurry up and do an emergency, you know, bail modification or revoke his bail. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Let's do it now. Well, and that and, that's the thing I have to wonder, too, is how much liability do they have when they let these people out to do this stuff, you know? <clears throat> They should have. They should have been in jail, and he kills somebody. Like, where? Where's the accountability? Whose responsibility is that? That allowed that exactly. to happen? You know. So, and these people with these positions, some are elected into these positions. So, these people are working for us. Now, some people are hired, like in the uh, law enforcement aspect of it. So, I know there's good law enforcement officers out there. So, this is not a dig or all law enforcement. You know. So. Um, is this immunity that they have worth it? Because I feel that it's unqualified at times, unqualified immunity in my, my opinion. And there's more and more things being brought up to that topic nowadays with law enforcement. So if they're, if they're violating your constitutional rights, they get away with it because of this immunity. So, I don't know all the ins and outs of their immunity, but they should not ever be allowed to allow this person, this Richard Ewing, to do what he's done. They've allowed it. And now they may not be held accountable because of their immunity. Right. Well, and the immunity goes both ways. Not only can they get away with letting someone like him out on the street and then something like this happens, but they can bring a completely ridiculous baseless case against you drag it out forever you win the case and you really have no legal recourse because oh we got immunity you know we can do we we believe that it was true you know and it's a bunch of bull but they get away with it time and time again so right all these all these campaigns that are out there back the blue back the blue so which blue are you backing the one that let richard ewing out over and over again because you think about it they violated Wendy Ritz's constitutional rights. She was a law-abiding citizen driving legally on the road, on the right side of the road, and this jerk comes along and kills her. Right, and that, that's, the, that's the whole problem is, I mean, and this is, this is one person, this is one guy. So I have to wonder, how many times have similar situations happened that we don't even know about? Because I guarantee he's not the first, and unfortunately, he won't be the last. Exactly. So, you know, with that being said, in this Back the Blue campaign, you know, they're trying to say that all 
police officers are good. Like they don't do anything wrong. They don't break anybody's constitutional rights. And once again, people in this county are thinking that, oh, we love the Constitution, but they only like certain parts of it. Yeah, what? well, that that kind of seems to be a, a trend all over. It's like I'll pick the parts I like, and then the parts I don't like, we'll just kind of ignore those and and do whatever. So, <laughs> so, and the other thing is, you know, with the drug task force and whoever may have been involved in letting this person out of jail time and time again, um, they have blood on their hands. Mm-hmm. You know, what about all these weapons charges? They were all eventually dismissed. So, yeah, that that I don't understand either because normally that's the kind of thing they cling to and be like, you know, oh, we got this guy off the streets and he's he's dangerous. He had illegal guns and whatever. And you know, if, and that's the thing too is not only he is he a felon illegally possessing the guns, he has ones with you know defaced serial numbers and stuff. So it's like. It, you'd, you'd think that would be something that they'd take out and that would be their little war trophy. You know, oh, look, we got this guy, but he's one of the ones that they let him out until he kills somebody, you know, so. Exactly. exactly. So um, just to add some more here. Um, so the bail for October 2020 was never revoked from the December 2020 charges and the bail was not revoked from December 2020 and October 2020 when he was charged in May of 2021. So that's a that's like a, a tongue twister there. But that's the whole gist of this whole thing. He he was ne- he never had his bail revoked, and that's like the the surface of all of this. And um, regardless of his past, the felony and all this other stuff. He violated the bail time and time again. So based on that alone, um, that, I mean, if the family's going to pursue uh, a civil case, this would be the basis of it, I would say. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a pretty easy case for any attorney that they hire. And they're going to have to go after somebody because we got to force accountability. We need to wake up some people that are in our judicial system that think that they're above the law and that they can get away with this kind of stuff. Because now here we have, again, an innocent person that's no longer with us. And now it's opening up some eyes. People that don't pay attention to this stuff. Now they're paying attention to it. So, and, you know, we have you know, the district attorney, law enforcement, even the attorney general and their slew of officers, they pat themselves on the back over and over and over again. And of course, we know the attorney general at this moment is Josh Shapiro. He is uh, running for governor of Pennsylvania. This right here, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Independent, whatever, um, you should never vote for Shapiro because because of him. And some of these other people involved in this, this woman is no longer with us because they didn't do a damn thing about Mr. Ewing. Well, it's just like a couple years ago when I wrote that, uh, basically the petition for investigation or whatever that outlined everything that was wrong with Operation R-Town. And I submitted that to the AG's office as a formal complaint. And normally when you do that, you get some kind of correspondence back, you know, a lot of times you'll get the 
generic letter that says, uh, just, uh, you know, you have to talk to a private attorney about that or whatever. I'd never heard anything like they, they just completely ignored that. And I also sent it out to pretty much all of the, it wasn't every Pennsylvania state rep and Senator, but it was any of the ones I could find an email for. And I, it was probably at least a hundred and I think I heard back from like two of them and just got generic answers. So it's like the the problem is is nobody pays attention to this. They they all have that mentality. It's just like the people that get on the page and it's like, oh well, you know, if you don't hang out with shady people, you don't have anything to worry about. Like that's not true. Right. That's simply not right. true. You know. Exactly. So my psychological spin on replies like that is they they thought something was a certain way and find out that it's not. So they either want to do their own research and, and come up with their own conclusion, or they want to change the narrative and go down a different road. Like if you do the crime, you do the time. That's not the subject. That's not the topic. The topic is people being accused of selling drugs to a, a confidential informant who has absolutely no credibility. Right. The drug and, and the people they do, whether it's the informant or all these people they round up in these drug busts, I mean, you look at the pictures of them and like they're obviously, you know, they have a serious drug addiction. They're not, and, and anybody who's making money selling drugs, the last thing you do is use out of your own stash, you know, because you're, that's not how you make money. But the, exactly. these people clearly are not selling drugs to make money. You take one look at them and like they have a serious problem. Every single one of them, you know. Absolutely. And they're putting them back out there. And there's different reasons why they shouldn't be back out there. They have a drug problem. They're addicted to drugs. They're a danger to society. Exactly. And the, the other thing is, too, the cops, at least, I mean, I'd imagine it's still the case because some of these people can't function without the drugs. So like they'll let them shoot up before they go do a drug buy. Like how? How is that even ethical to, you know, to let that go on? Yeah. Uh, I mean, how is that, you know, how is that helping the drug problem? So backing up to what I said earlier, there was another OD that happened within the last couple of days. And someone who's supposedly a CI sold them heroin. Mm-hmm. And now this person's gone and will this get swept under the carpet who the CI was or the fact that this person was a CI, you know, how is that helping by not doing what you should be doing? Right. And like I said earlier, it's very interesting because there for a while, that was the big thing to go after was the drug delivery results in death. They were trying to nail everybody with that, you know, exactly. and, but it's crickets on this one, I guess. So. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, I know people make the decision to do drugs and whatnot and why I don't know. You can come up with excuses all you want. There really is no excuse, but I think environment has something to do with it. But I do know people that are decent people, hardworking people, and their kid, for whatever reason, decides to go down that road. Mm -hmm. And I know I know uh, a couple that their son died of an, a drug overdose. They are they are so devastated. 
you can still see the pain in their eyes. And, you know, it's not like he died in an accident or something, you know, those things happen. And um, it was over drugs. So when you think about it that way, this judicial system as a whole is failing so many people. Like he was an adult, so the parents couldn't do anything at that point. Right. Oh. Well, and the big yeah. problem is too, like you, I mean, I would like to see, rather put these people in jail. I'd rather see them go to rehab. But the only problem with rehab is if you don't actually have it in your mind that you want to quit, it's no rehab's going to work for you either. So it's, right. you know, there's no perfect solution. It's basically you and, and anybody that gets into, you know, heroin or meth or anything like that, it's usually because, you know, life isn't going so great. And let's be honest, there's not a ton of opportunity around here. You know, if you're a young person, right, you know, right. the, you know up and coming generation that's just graduating high school now, like if you don't leave the area, there's not a whole lot of opportunity here. So I think people, it's really easy to fall into that. And then you look at the the pandemic and the way that, you know, the government responded and shut down businesses and kind of ruined everybody's life for, I don't think, a very good reason. And I don't think the a lot of the stuff that they did really made a difference. But it's like, if you look at the the drug use and the overdoses and stuff, like we're, we're setting records and that's awful. But, Absolutely. A, but we, we took a bad situation that, that was already bad in areas like this and we made it 20 times worse. Exactly. So, you know, there's more people that have died from fentanyl overdoses than car accidents, cancer, and mm -hmm. COVID all together, all combined together. There's more fentanyl deaths than all those three combined. So, but we don't care about that. Nobody pays attention to that. They just see all these drug arrests. Way to go, APD. Way to go, Tower MPD. You getting the bad guy off the street. Yeah, and what the, the alleged bad guy is the one that's suffering more than anybody. <laughs> but yeah. what about Richard Ewing? Uh huh. What about him? They're not getting. They didn't get him off the street until he finally killed somebody. Yeah, it was literally the point where they probably had no choice and were like, "Oh shit!" You know, we've already let this go too far. <laughs> Back yeah. up a little bit, but yeah, the emergency hearing. We gotta revoke his bail. It's an emergency now. Yeah, they had yeah. how many years and how many run-ins with the police to figure that out, and it took him until he and, killed somebody. You know, so so if he was a CI, let's speculate or assume that he was. So whatever drug buys he was ha going to happen to make, okay, what were they worth somebody's life? Well, were they worth and who knows how many things that. He might have done that got because that's the other thing with CIs. There's a lot of th times that stuff happens that they're never even charged, or they charge the victim right. if a crime occurs in the CI. You know, like they assault somebody. You know, they, they charge the other person. So I know. So eventually, of course, he's committed to the Blair County Prison. Okay, and uh, after he's in the Blair County Prison, finally. In October of 2021, so this past October, he starts a riot, or he's involved in a riot. And he's been charged recently for riot intent to commit felony, recklessly endangering <laughs> another person, disorderly conduct, engaged in fighting. 
So they set bail for this on November 1st, 2021, which was $50,000, which I think is just probably a technicality that they have to do it that way. Mm-hmm. So that arrest would be by the Holidaysburg Police Department because they the prison sits in their jurisdiction. If Am I right in saying that or... Yeah, I think they handle because usually if there's something happens at the prison or the courthouse, they're the ones that do the investigation. Okay, so the bail set at fifty thousand, and it says he was unable to post bail. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> how about he can't post bail because mm-hmm. he would be detained on these other charges. You know, drug charges, weapons charges, and including homicide by vehicle. He murdered somebody. That's why he can't post bail. Right. He's not court on dough. It has everything to do with they finally revoked his bail. Yeah, they they finally figured out that this was going to come back to bite him in the ass even more if they left him out. Oh, absolutely. So (laughs) these charges from this... uh, homicide by vehicle was in Huntington County. So there's a possibility he could get transferred to um, Huntington County. But a lot of times I think Huntington County send their inmates or transfer them to Blair County anyway, or even possibly Center County. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on the way they move the inmates around because it I think it has to do with just capacity, like whichever one has room, they send them there sometimes. Because that, that that's a whole other rabbit hole you can get down with the the uh, capacity issues and stuff at the prison. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, some of this they'll probably use COVID as an excuse. And this is what I have to say. So you want to protect the health and safety of people. So people like Richard Ewing got to walk the street because you were, you know, protecting people. You didn't protect Wendy Ritz. What about her safety or right. anybody else that he could have been driving past? Well, and that's, so, that's, it's always a double standard. And that's the problem is they've just milked the COVID thing for all it's worth. I mean, that, that was right. one of the things that irritated me more than anything when this first came out and they had, you know, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court just suspended the rule 600, which was basically, you no longer had a right to a speedy trial because some people got sick. I mean, that's insane. Right. So they changed the constitution. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And if they would have not used that as an excuse, Wendy Ritz might still be here. Yep. So that's just a perfect example as COVID is not an excuse to change the constitution in any capacity at all. So um, I was curious as to whether he was committed to Huntington County or where he was at at this point. So as of the, on the 13th here, just this past week, I did a search and found him. He's still in Blair County at this point. And if anyone wants to send him a letter or reach out to him, tell him what you think. <laughs> uh, he may never see this mail, but his inmate number is 0701380. So to me, I think that's a magical number. I just might pl- play that in the lottery. <laughs> yeah, see. If you get half as lucky as he does, you might win some money. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things I wanted to point out throughout all of this, I noticed it was motioned that Ted Kroll, his attorney from previous offenses, um, I think his attorney at this point is someone by the name of David Beyer. 
So, um, not, not familiar with that person. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever even heard of him. Is he out of Blair County? No, I think he's out of Cambria County because I think it listed like an Ebensburg address or Johnstown or something like that. Hmm. So, but, you know, one of the things that I noticed that over and over again, his defense attorney filed a motion to suppress, which is made by a criminal defendant to uh, exclude certain evidence from the trial. Because I wasn't sure what that meant. I looked it up and it says in the United States, a motion to suppress is a request made by a criminal defendant in advance of a criminal trial asking the court to exclude certain evidence from the trial. So. Right. Which I think that that's a pretty common motion to file. It's basically the argument would be, well, this this isn't it would be like it isn't relevant and but it would paint the person in a bad light. So the judge has the basically the discretion to allow it or throw it out essentially and say either you can or can't talk about this at trial. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't do that with the Shepard case. Jackie Bernard made sure she mentioned that this guy has had years of criminal activity and it was pointed out that he actually was doing better. He was working, you know, becoming a better citizen and she didn't care about that. Well, and the other thing about Shepard was, too, I think the vast majority of those charges, because if you go on UJS, there's not a whole lot on there for him. I think a lot of those were when he was underage, too. So, right. I mean, come on now. You're really going to throw, oh, you had this criminal. Well, yeah, everybody does stupid stuff when you're young, you know. Right. So to use that against him is, I think that's ridiculous. And then she ended up giving him more time than the prosecution even asked for. And I didn't understand that other than, you know, it must have been a kind of a retaliation thing against, oh, you, yeah, you know, because he didn't remain silent about what was going on. And he just told his story because they hate that. They hate that they can't control the narrative. Right. Exactly. And so with this Richard Ewing case, they are not going to be able to control this narrative. There's no way they can try and sweep everything under the carpet all they want, but um, that's not going to happen. Well, it's, so. I mean, and the thing is too, you know, if anybody's listening, that's, you know, thinks that this is a stretch or far fetched or whatever, like everything she's talking about, you can go out on UJS and look it up yourself. I told you, you type in UJS portal in a search engine or download the e-docket on your phone. You can pull all this stuff up and look at it and go through and see how the dates match up and you know, the charges. And it you, you just, after you look at this stuff for long enough, you can start to kind of form an opinion on, you know, what's, what's more likely than not and why this happened. And, you know, you just kind of get a feel for it because there's a certain way things should look. And, you know, when you have a guy that has these kind of charges over and over and over and he's still out on the street up until the point where he kills somebody... You know, there's something's not right there. Right. And the the uh, Blair County judicial system um, failed everybody, as far as I'm concerned, where Mr. Ewing's concerned. And there's many others like him. Um, you know, one of the cases, uh, I just want to mention this, um, the uh, when the Logan Township police arrested him, that was at a hotel. There were two young women that were with him. Now, they were adults. 
it mentions their names, and it's a Valerie Sprankle and an Erica Robinald. But they never had any charges pertaining to this, even though they were clearly involved with what was going on at that motel. They never even says right in the Altoona Mirror there were no charges filed against them. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that Robinald's been rumored to be an informant for quite a while, so. Right. And I'm thinking the Sprankle girl as well. So so here's two people. And, you know, I, I'm sorry, but their names are mentioned in the Altoona Mirror. So it's public knowledge and that the charge there were no charges filed against them. And they were clearly involved in that. Yep. I, I don't understand it. So they're out walking the street as well. So will they get arrested when they finally kill somebody? Because rumor has it. They were involved in this overdose recently. One of them was, anyway. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And I think a lot of that, too, because I remember, it, this would have been a couple years ago, but there was a girl that overdosed, and they were really pushing for trying to get some get the person that sold the drugs to her. But it, I think it had more to do with, because that, that person's parents were a little bit higher up in the you know the local society and... I think mm-hmm. that that has a lot to do with it too. Whereas if you're a nobody and your kid dies from an overdose, then they're like, ah, eh, you know, which might might be the issue there. I don't know who the the person was that overdosed, right? But you know, it it it, it all goes back to it's all about who you know, and that's how it's always been, and that's probably how it always will be, which is unfortunate. But right. that's. That's how the good people get burned and the bad people get to keep on burning them. So, yep, exactly. And, um, you know, we've said this before Operation Our Town has a big hand in this, um, allowing some people to catch charges and some people not. So, they get to be judge and jury on who gets to get charges and who doesn't. And that's not the way it should be. No, so and anybody in their right mind that sees a, a, private citizens that aren't involved in law enforcement at all deciding whether or not a case gets funding to essentially go forward is like, that's just insane, you know? So Michael yeah. Fiore sits there at his desk and decides who's going to get charges and who's not. I mean, what, what reality is that okay in? Right. That has to be illegal on so many levels, but where do you find someone to actually make an issue of it and start investigating it? Well, and that's the problem is that should be should clearly be the AG's office, but they're complicit with everything that's going on. They've had their fingers in the pot ever since it started, you know, and then right. if you try to go to like the F, which I don't have a lot of faith in the, any of the federal three letter agencies like the FBI or anything, but that's such small peanuts to them. They're not going to give a shit either. So. Exactly. And, you know, at the FBI, if you look at their definition, their job is to um, investigate when somebody's civil rights have been violated. Mm-hmm. And there's so many civil rights violated in Blair County alone that they have no interest in. They don't care. Well, and that's one of the problems, too. Like I said, this there's not a lot of opportunity here. A lot of people who live here don't have a whole lot of income, so it's like when it comes to trying to get accountability, the only way you can do that is if you can throw a bunch of money at an attorney, which most people most people can't even afford to get a private attorney to defend them for criminal charges. So to hire a, you know, you can't get a public defender to go after the state for what they did to you, you know. So right. that that's unfortunate too, and I think that's why they get away with a lot of it because 
they know that people can't afford to come after them. So they can just kind of do whatever they want. And yeah, once in a while, they, somebody might get them. But, you know, luck of the draw is they're going to get away with it 90% of the time. Right. And they're, the way they their procedures and the way they go about things to combat the war on drugs, they have this mindset where, you know, well, people are going to die. That's just a reality. People die, you know, and these a lot of these deaths could have been avoided mm-hmm. and innocent people, you know, dying who have absolutely nothing to do with the drug world um, are dying. It's a, it's affected innocent people. And this uh, tragic accident, well, a tragic murder, I don't want to call it an accident because it was perp- on purpose. Mm-hmm. And um, you knowingly drove a vehicle under the influence of drugs, and that ultimately ended somebody's life. That's murder. Right. And it wasn't so, the first time he's done that either. So, Exactly. And so... It's kind of like, well, you know, people die. And it's kind of like with the vaccine bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. You know, get the vaccine. It's the best thing for you. We're concerned about your safety. We want to protect everyone. But what about the people that die from an adverse reaction from the vaccine? Right. Oh, you know, that's how it is. People die. You know, people get a reaction. We can't help that. Yeah, you're, you're allowed to die from anything but COVID. And the, the thing that really irritates me about the way they've handled the whole deal is the story has constantly been changing. Because if you remember first, it was, you know, I'll just wear a mask unless you get the vaccine. Then it's, well, if you, you know, you got your three boosters and you still need to wear a mask and you need to wear a... Now, <laughs> they just come out the other day and said that you need to wear the, the N95 one. And it's yeah. just like, you know, the... The variant that's out there now is the least deadly one yet, because that's generally how viruses work. They become less virulent over time because that's how they survive. But right. they, they just keep, I don't know. There's And then if you look at Fauci and how many times has he lied and changed his story, you right. know, it's just like, right. how, how did any of these people have any credibility? But you're not allowed to question any of that. And it's just, it's ridiculous. Right. Exactly. Um, Anthony Fauci should be arrested and face prison time. He should never see the light of day and any other bad players that are involved in this as well, because he obviously helped fund this gain of function research. And that's what killed millions of people. Mm -hmm. And they've stated, and it's been recorded video audio that they have stated that there's too many people in the world. We need to do some sort of genocide we need to reduce the population. Well, and, and so that, was, that was my argument for people, too. It was like, if, you, if you're so worried about saving everybody and everybody has to live forever and, and this and that, it's like you're going to get to a point where you have, I think they call it the exponential growth curve, where the, um, the population, the, the exponential growth of the population, because people are living, human beings are living longer than they ever have, more right. more babies that are born live survive into adulthood than ever have, you know. And there's yeah. going to come a point where, because of the population growth, you're going to have a demand for food and energy that can't be met. So it's like, wh- right. which would you rather have? Have people die off from natural causes, or do you want the government to come in and well, we're going to have to, you know, choose who lives and dies? Essentially, I mean, that's kind of you know the kind of population control like they have in China. Yes. Yep. 
Absolutely. And I've actually been watching yeah. a bunch of stuff um, about China, and it, it's like terrifying the the stuff they do. And it's crazy when, yeah. you, when you listen to these people over there. Like they now, I don't know how many of them actually believe this, or they're just saying it so you know they don't get black bagged in the middle of the night. But you know they're they're happy that the government you know watch it. Like you can't walk down the street in China without being on camera to the point where the AI identifies exactly who you are. To where if you know you throw a a wrapper on the ground or something, they'll instantly fine. You know they they know yeah. exactly who you are, and, and it, it's just that kind of like it's something straight out of the nineteen eighty four. But there's oh absolutely those people grew up with that culture where they're like oh it's so good that the government's protecting me, and there probably are ones that believe that. I'm sure there are ones that you know are against it as much as you can be, but the government over there controls everything. They control the flow of information. They control what facts are, what truth is. You know, and you look at what big tech's doing here, and it's like they're trying to do the same thing. You know, absolutely, it's scary. It's it's really frightening because anyone that I have encountered that is from China that's here in the states, they're you know here legally and everything, mm-hmm. uh, highly educated people. If you ask them, so what do you think about your president Xi Ping? Mm-hmm. Oh, great person, and they're looking around. Like they're looking like they're that paranoid. Mm-hmm. Our country, Xi Ping's nowhere near them, but they're looking around to see if there's some kind of video or camera or whatever, listening to what they're saying about China's president. Yep. So, I mean, that's just something I've observed with my own eyes. Yeah, and it's 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 a whole different world over there, and pretty much China. Like they talk about the China's twenty forty nine plan, and for the last really fifty years, China has been marching straight toward that. To they they basically want to be, they want world domination. They want to take over the world, and when right. you look at what they're doing, you know they have. It, it's just crazy the way they've implemented technology. And then the amount of control they really have over the world's economy, because everything's made in China, you know. Right. And it's just, they they are very good at what they do to the point where it's terrifying. Because, I mean, we look at the problems we have in this country, but we're kind of going down. I, I mean, I think every government only becomes more and more authoritarian, but we're really heading down the path to that, you know, complete surveillance state and social credit scores and all that kind of stuff. And I don't right. think people realize how bad that, because you, you, I think a lot of people don't appreciate the freedoms you do have. Now, granted, we do have a lot of problems with the way the system works, but we're not on that level yet, but we're moving that direction. Oh, absolutely. So. Yep. And, and it's a scary world because, um, you know, I'm part of uh, Generation X, Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just be blunt about it. We're the generation that doesn't give a flying fuck. Right. So <laughs> we have experienced like no internet, no cell phones, and then technology comes about and during our generation. And then we had to adapt to all that too. So, well, and that's the problem with the younger generation is they're so into technology. I mean, it, it started even, you know, when I was in high school, we still had texting wasn't even really a thing you still use like we use like instant messenger on the computer you know and it's just crazy how much things have just changed in my lifetime that i can you know the internet wasn't when i was a kid like the internet really still wasn't a thing like yeah there was websites you could go look at but 
you didn't have YouTube, you didn't have Netflix, you didn't have, but the bad part is, is these young, especially the people younger than me, uh, cause I'll be 34 this year, but it feels like mm-hmm. I'm starting to get up there, but you know, <laughs> I'm not, ni- <laughs> I'm not 19 anymore, but it's just crazy how much has changed. And you look at the younger generation, how dependent they are, like they live on their phones. So like you have like back to the China thing. China right. can China controls a lot of these big tech companies. So any propaganda they want to post, you know, they control everything. They control what's news. I mean, you even see that now with the news what? that the media puts out. You know, there's only one way you're supposed to think and and that kind of stuff. And it, it's just scary because these. I wonder how much of an ability do these kids have to think outside the box, or are they just absorbing what's coming through their phone? You know. Right. And they keep referring to people that are just coming of age and in college right now as millennials. They're not the millennials. Your generation are the true millennials. Right. People that are in their early 30s, mid 30s, uh, maybe even upper 30s. You guys are the true millennials. So, well, and funny story about that, because I distinctly this is kind of like when I started questioning everything was you remember back um like around 98, 99 into the 2000, everybody was worried about the Y2K bug and like it was going to crash everything. It was going to be horrible. And I remember going to bed that night and I was like terrified that the world was going to be a very different place when I woke up in the morning and then nothing happened. And I remember <laughs> being like a 10, 10, 11 year old kid. And I was like, you know, what, what is this? Like, I was so worried about this because, and back then the media, that was like the fear mongering thing was, Oh my God, Y2K, it's going to be awful. And, and, and that was really a turning point for me where I was like, you know, this is a bunch of bullshit. You know, you you can't believe everything you see on TV. So. Right. You're in your group of peers. You guys are old enough to remember Mm -hmm. 9-11. We're not going to be around you know, Gen X, we're coming to a, con- a conclusion here, not real soon, but before you guys normally, right? you guys, we're counting on you, your generation to remember history and, and to spread that truth to people that are part of this newer generation now. So like, there's a lot of weight on you guys' shoulder right now to make sure the truth still goes and gets out there and is never forgotten. So that's kind of a lot on you guys. But fortunately, you guys have all this technology and it keeps getting, you know, more and more improved that you can, you know, get those points across. Right. So, well, and I, I think that's the the big thing is going to be to use technology essentially to better the human race instead of just watching stupid videos on your phone all the time. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Which can be addicting. I'll be mm-hmm. honest, I'm guilty of it myself. So, you know, um, the one thing I, I would like to say about your generation and your peers is that you guys are, you guys are more non-judgmental. You're more accepting of other people that are different than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won't treat somebody different that may have a disability or not, you know, as financially off as what you are. Right. You have more of an accepting type of thing. So back when I was in school, if somebody was a little different, you were like, whoa, (laughs) I can keep my distance from them. But they were probably harmless, completely harmless. Um, You know, um, 
So that's one thing I think our generation, uh, Generation X, that we may be guilty of is that we were more judgmental. We probably were more bigots back then. But then your generation comes along and you guys are like, whoa, wait a second. We're going to start accepting people for who they are. And um, we're not going to, you know, label people. So we labeled people a lot. Right. So then, you know, of course, we're learning our lesson now. So. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, but getting, you know, back to the whole Richard Ewing thing, I want to say my condolences to Wendy Ritz's family and friends. Um, You know, we're we're trying to bring to light some of the problems that may have contributed or have contributed to her no longer being with us. And um, as far as Mr. Ewing's family, you know, my apologies also, because I think that the judicial system failed Mr. Ewing as well mm-hmm. and family. So he ha- I, I, I'm pretty sure he has children and I don't think any of them are going down that wrong road from what I understand. So they're good, good kids and stuff. So hopefully that'll continue and hopefully they can get through all this. Um, you know, it, it's really sad all around really is. Yeah. So, well, as I think we pretty much covered everything, so we can so, go, go ahead and wrap it up here. If you got any, any other final thoughts, I guess. Um, I, I just want people to open their eyes to what's really going on. And when you see somebody say, hey, this person is innocent, I want you to look at the whole story. Um, Don't just have a one-track mind and just write these people off. You know, do your own research and understand what reasonable doubt is and also that the Constitution applies to everyone. Right. Well, it's always good to have an open mind and it's... It's really important to ask questions, but more importantly, to ask the right questions. So, and, and one more thing to law enforcement stop with this um, mentality that you're above the law. We see time and time again that police officers are getting arrested for drugs, uh, fights, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, they, sh- they should be the ones setting the example. Exactly. Exactly. So not all. And I have the highest respect for anybody who's served in the military, who is a police officer and and is a police officer for the right reasons. And uh, any corrections officers, anyone that's in that, you know, uniform society. um, My biggest respect for you. Right. Because, well, any of those career, especially the police officers nowadays, like if you're doing your job the right way, that's a shitty job. You know, there's, there's no way around that. And we, we don't want anyone to, uh, not go home to their family at night. Right. We don't want that for anyone. This is not bashing law enforcement or anyone in particular. Um, you know, we have respect. We do back the blue, but there are some things that are wrong. Right. It's, It's always good to try and change things for the better. There's always room for improvement. So. Absolutely. 
And I think that's the biggest problem around here is everybody kind of gets stuck in just doing the same thing over and over and over because that's that's how it's always been done. And well, maybe that's not the best best way to go about it. So exactly, absolutely. All right. Well, I think I think that's pretty much what we got here for today. So we're running a little long. I don't want to make it too long and. It's 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 always your fault, but yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, but you know, I I'm just one of those people that I if I start a story, I want to throw all everything out there, and I want to come to the best conclusion. Right. So, well, and this, I think this is important. I hope everybody learned something today. Maybe look at things, certain things, a little different. You know. So. Exactly. Exactly. We're doing this because we care about other people. We want things to be right. We don't want anyone going to prison for something that they didn't do for one. And we don't want people that are criminals walking the streets and hurting other people. Exactly. So, So, okay. Well, thanks a lot. Yep. Thanks for being on the show and uh, we'll have to do this again soon. All righty. I'm sure we will. (laughs) Take care. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, that's uh, all I got for today. So, like I said, hopefully you learned something. I think this was all really good information, and uh, we'll see. Hoping to get a couple more interviews. We'll see how that goes. I know this is the first one I put up in a little while because things have been crazy. I'm not going to put out any more just, like, update videos. I'm going to make sure I actually have some relevant content, something interesting to to uh, actually, if you're going to take your time and listen to me. So, like I said, I know this one ran over a little bit longer, well, a lot longer than I usually do, but that can, that, it's, like I said, it's good information. So, until uh, next time, live free or effing die. <laughs>